Yeah, it's DR. Malik Books has all the knowledge you want. Malik Books has all the knowledge you need. Malik Books. Yeah, they have all the books that the whole wide world wanna read. Malik Books. Malik's Bookshelf, bringing the world together with books, culture, and community. Hi, my name is Malik Muhammad, your host of Malik's Bookshelf. Being a father is a major role in my life. It's an important role in my life. And when you raise children, no one has a blueprint. You try to do your best in order to make them successful. You want children to be more successful than you and bigger and better than you. That all has all that has always been my view. Now others might have something different, but me as a parent, me as a father, I always want to see my children become successful and do bigger and better things than me. So along the way as we grow up, or along the way as they grow up, this journey is a long road. It's an enduring road. And it's an obligation as a parent. You know, you have to be present and you have to have the desire and you have to have the fortitude because this journey is long and it takes patience as a father. The first topic on the shelf today is called child entrepreneurship. I'm going to be talking to my son. I'm going to share with you a story he did at 10 years old that's near and dear. You're going to love this story, so stay tuned. Another segment that we're going to be discussing on this episode is called Family Table Talks. When I sat down for dinner and we were just having a discussion between uh, my wife and my two kids, Zaire and Mecca, and we were discussing um, the topic of like man role and a woman role in a home, you know. And so it was just amazing to hear uh, what a 14-year-old girl thinks about domestic um, role in the home and a 16-year-old boy, Zaire, what he thinks about the domestic role of a man and woman um, in, in their home. The final topic on the shelf today it's called Growing Pains. And I want to talk about this subject matter because people see success, but they don't always see what happens behind the scenes and what goes into it. So I want to just talk about, because this is a very, very deep and meaningful story. This is a great memory, and it brings back so much joy when I think about the things we did and how we did it and what we did. So we'll sit back and enjoy this episode of Fatherhood. When you was 10 years old, you always had a spirit of an entrepreneur, a go-getter, and you were always a very outgoing and outspoken. And when we were in a financial hardship and we were trying to go to the Junior Olympics, funds were limited. And yet 
you at 10 years old, you said to me, and remember, you said to me, you said, Dad, you don't have to worry about me. I'm going to pay my own way. And you took these bookmarks and you just started selling them <laughs> and, and raised like over about $2,500 and paid for the whole trip for all of us to go to the Junior Olympics just to watch your brother, man. And I always remember that. And on the, and remember, you know, when you wrote on your college application and they had you write an essay, you included that part about yourself because at 10 years old, you know, just to take all those bookmarks and sell them and raise $2,500, just like, and you, and it paid for our trip to the Junior Olympics was huge, Ishmael. And I've always <laughs> remembered that <laughs> because that was incredible. Would you know? So I know you could be whatever you want, do whatever you want, and and because you have a very, very determined and just beautiful spirit, brother. And so, but. You know, you remember Ishmael when we went around and we'll go to those black expos and I would set y'all up with those bookmarks. We went to uh, the Million Man March a long time ago in 95 and y'all sold all those bookmarks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> y'all witnessed two yeah. million black men all over in Washington, D.C. as a, a little 10, 11 year old and you sold all of those bookmarks. Um, yeah, that was a cash cow, cash cow. I rec I remember that. As far as <laughs> that was... <laughs> I remember that. I had a plan. I remember I realized at a time I realized I wouldn't be able to go. And that's when I realized if I put a table outside, I wrote on a piece of paper. I just started doing math. I remember like it was yesterday. I started doing math on a piece of paper, worked out if I did, because I knew when the Junior Olympics were going on and I knew how much time we had left, how much money I needed to make every day. And it was $40. I figured I got to sell $40 in bookmarks every day. I remember, and I got a table, and I put a table outside of the the, the bookstore. It was a Fox Hills Mall, right? It was um, Baldwin Hills Mall. Baldwin Hills Mall. Baldwin Hills Mall, yeah. So I put a table right outside to to catch the traffic and the, as they were walking by the store. And it it turned out, some days, we were making more than 40 bucks a day. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I finally was right, next, right there next to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, that was, good. that was good. You know, this is why, you know, this, you, you got an entrepreneur spirit. Um, that was a milestone, to believe it or not. You have to understand that was a milestone for someone 10 years old to decide that, Dad, I, you don't need to worry about me. I'm going to pay. I'm going to raise the money so that I can go to the Junior Olympics. And I was like, well, how you going to do that? I'm going to sell these bookmarks. And you went out there and did it. Not only did you pay for yourself, but you raised the money for all of us to go. <laughs> and you was 10 years old, man. I, we sat in that restaurant and we talked about that. And I was just like, son, I just want to thank you, man. I want to thank you. Because, you know, we always, listen, in, in them times, you know, books wasn't flying off your shelves like that. It was a labor of love. It was a labor of love. and But y'all was, you you and your brother, Kevin, was hip. Always in the store, side by side with me, <laughs> and uh, y'all grew up in the store, so it ain't always, you know, been a financial, um, um, you know, fi yeah, financial success. You know, there's been trials and there's been tribulations, 
and there have been, you know, hard times. And books wasn't flying all, always off the shelf. You know, this was a, we was planting seeds. We were doing our part, but it took time. People would just walk by, brother, wasn't, wasn't interested in these types of books. But I know these books right here, they helped change my life. They And I was trying to you, teach y'all as y'all were growing up to be strong and, 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 you know, strong, young black men in America who had a knowledge of self, had confidence in yourself, and be successful in America, to win in America, you know? And by loving yourself, knowing yourself, believing in yourself, so, you know, so that's what I tried to instill in you and in Kalfani. And, uh, and, but man, that, that was an incredible achievement um, when you sold all those bookmarks and paid for I forgot about that. To the junior, you yeah, should never about forget that. about that because, brother, it, you know, not everyone is that industrial and in that and have that kind of fortitude. And you had it at ten; you had that at ten years old. The, the determination to do something and do it, and come up with a plan. You know, you thought it through, and then you went out and implemented and made it happen. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah. That was you. One for one, one for two or three for five. Yeah, oh oh yeah, you remember five. that? One for three. Support. Two. <laughs> what was it? One for one bookmark for three dollars, was it? No. One for two, one for two, two for four, or three for five. There you go. That's right. One for two, mm -hmm. two for four, or three bookmarks for five. And that five dollars <laughs> was flying off the <laughs> off the pocket. <laughs> you you <laughs> came up with the five. magnets. When you change, you change the game with the Magnus. Oh man, the Magnus is flying <laughs> off the shelf. Man, I would be manufacturing them bookmarks and no and no Magnus, man. I was like, I gotta get product. My son out here, he's selling the no, daylights out of this stuff. Man. I gotta have some inventory for him. Cause you know, man, we entrepreneurs <laughs> by nature. We we have the spirit of the do for self and entrepreneurship, man. We was out here manufacturing bookmarks. Magnus and my sons was out here. Look, it, it, when I say three for five, it was different when a 10-year-old say three for five. <laughs> man. Oh, man. People would buy them by the bags. Man. $20, $30 on bookmarks. They would buy them by the bags. Man, it was man. the slogans. It was, it was you know, I, I remember sale. some of those slogans. Yeah, we had some positive yeah. slogans, brother, on them bookmarks yeah. and bags. Uh-huh. <laughs> It was a, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, speak up, things like this. Yeah, fake it oh, till yeah. you make it. Remember that one? Fake, fake it till, till you, you make it. it. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember that one. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had some really positive, uh, nice little artwork on them, like positive affirmations on them. And, uh, and when you put that in the hands of a 10-year-old who knows how to sell, like you, you know how to sell. But there's no accident. It's no accident, brother, that you went to a school with with 3,000 seniors. You went to a school where the graduation had uh, probably about 8,000 people, and you were selected to give a speech at the graduation. You were selected. Oh, you mean high school. In high school. Oh, high in school. high school graduation. <laughs> but you were 16 years old. Talking in front of eight thousand people, it, you know, for three, four minutes, you know, you didn't stumble, you didn't stumble not one time, brother. And you spoke with confidence, brother. You don't know how proud 
your family, your dad was to see you do something like that's an achievement. I could never do something like that, you know, back then because I had a phobia about, you know, speaking in front of people. I, that was a that's a challenge for me to speak in front of people. And here I have a, my own 16 year old son standing before the graduating class, his graduating class and all the parents and families and giving a three, four minute speech, brother. Did you wrote? You do quite well. You do. You do. <laughs> you do quite well. Yeah, from public speaking. <laughs> I come a long way, though. I, I come a long way, but the reality is that I, I, I had to move in degrees to be able to talk in front of people and in front of large groups. It didn't happen to me easily. Um, I had someone push me. He would, you know, he would speak. Mm -hmm. um, he would speak, uh, and he needed somebody to open for him. And he said, "You know, Malik, go out there and give me two, three minutes. Just warm him up for me, and then bring me up." So, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like mm -hmm. going out there, stumbling, <laughs> you know, nervous. See, but every week he would push me out there at the study group. We used to have these Malik book study groups. And people would come, man. They would come all over and say, we do it right in the bookstore, in the Malik Book Study Group. And I would open up two, three minutes before the main person come on and speak about whatever it is that he wanted to talk to the people about that day. And so what happened was, you know, <laughs> it helped me you still with... have those tapes? I still have some of those tapes, man. But it helped me, it helped me to look yeah. at an audience and speak and not be so nervous and petrified like I used to be. That was a challenge for me, brother. And it was, I had a phobia doing it. I, over, I still have it, I, you know, I get the butterflies, I get the nerve, but you know, if I gotta do it, I gotta do it. I mean, that's how life is. And sometimes we we have to challenge our fears, man. And that's where you at now, you challenging your fears. Um, you're nervous, and you're not necessarily fearful, but you're nervous. No, I was literally fearful to stand up and talk in front of people. You, you could do it, brother, with no problem. You're not nervous. You enjoyed it. And these are the things where you know you. It is enjoyable. It <laughs> is enjoyable. It's the thrill. It's you know? the thrill, man. Like the thrill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that, man. You did that well. You did that, brother, in natural. And so you, you know, you you have that gift, brother. You have that gift to do that. So you, you put all your gifts together, man. You make a wholesome pocket. This is where your life leads you to in your career. So you put it all together, you know. And so, uh, kudos to you, Ishmael. Kudos to you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. And so, um, I, you know, um, this was enjoyable. I really enjoyed the conversation we had, and I hope we to continue to have more. I really enjoy. Um, we talked about a lot of substance, and I think that some of the things we talk about it can be very helpful and useful to, you know, others. So thank you, Ishmael. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Ted. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you, and I'll have you on again on Malik's bookshelf. Appreciate you. <laughs> Being a housewife is, a, is a, uh, once your children are successful and that's all you do, that's your payment. 
essential payment. Yeah, but majority of the households now today is not living that way. Mom and dad works. Mom and dad does both of the things. Chores, cook, clean, as well as children. I like our household. Our household. Absolutely, I like our household. Everybody has a duty and a chore in the house in order to make it work. One person shouldn't do everything. That's right, Mama. Sit down. Come on now. Preach you now. Said no dessert, right? Oh, gosh. Can anybody Go take it anymore? Max. Go to the max. <laughs> All right. And I'll bring to it the to go and I'll bring it back out. Okay, okay thank you. How would you raise your family? Yeah, I would raise my family as, uh, like, like us. Like, I, I'm going to treat my family as equal. Okay. Like, everybody gets their uh, own chores to do. Yes. And, and uh, take turns doing the dishes. Yeah, just one person doing it over and over. Yes. So, uh, so we can know whose turn is to do the dish. Whose responsibility? Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have a calendar. On certain days, to be certain people doing different stuff. But if like the dishes are, it's like really dirty. Like if the dishes are piled up and it's like really dirty, they have to clean it. Yeah. Like uh, that's a responsibility. Yeah. Uh, you can't just walk by it. If, you, if it's piled up, you have you to clean, clean it. it. Yeah. Don't don't open oh, it. Actually, no. No, actually, we're not gonna have to do chores because we're always gonna clean after the. Then you can come clean after yourself. But if you don't wash your plate, you're washing the dishes. Uh, oh, and, I like that. <laughs> I like that. And, and also, like when uh, me and Mega uh, alternate doing the dishes, and it's like the same thing uh, in a dining room where. Uh, Thank Thank you. What if what if you have a partner or your husband or wife that that chooses not to work and just chooses to do everything in the household and chooses to do all the other responsibilities you just bring on the and you just bring on the paycheck? You can accept that. What if what if your husband wants you to be do that? You yeah. just keep it for yourself. No, she doesn't want to do that. She wants to be. She wants to have a career. Okay, what if your husband say stop working? You're gonna have to. You're either gonna have to work this out. Okay. Or I'm going to my parents' house. You're gonna be stuck here alone. <laughs> <laughs> or you should say that you're sleeping outside tonight. No, 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 I can be like, I'm gonna tell my brothers. We gonna see who's. We gonna see who's. Uh, who's gonna win this? <laughs> what about you, Zaire? What if your your woman? Besides, you guys come into the agreement. I want to be a housewife. I don't want to do anything else but take care of the household. Would you be agreeable with that? Or would you want someone more independent? I wouldn't agree to it because uh, I don't want uh, her to do it all by herself and have nobody to help. But you the main breadwinner. You go out, you make the bread, you make, you make the cheddar, you make the money. And she does everything else. That's her contribution to the household. Would you be agreeable to that? Yeah. Okay. Well, every situation is different. As long as it's agreed upon amongst your relationship, don't worry about nobody else's. Whatever works for your relationship, that's what works for your relationship. 
or him or whatever. You need your lover to be yeah. independent. So yeah. you both can make money, you both can contribute. Con yeah, contribute. Contribute to the household. And when, you're, when you know you have enough money, you have enough money saved up, and that that's what he or she still wants to do. And you're for sure you have enough money to keep, you know, keep going and you know, keep saving. Now, what if the shoe was on the other foot? What if the man wants to stay at home? <laughs> I say that's a rare, that's a rare. But you know, I don't know a lot of people. Um, for you, for me, I'd say it's still the same. Yeah. Depends on the job. Um, like if you're still working at like I don't know half time job or full time, but it's not paying enough. Still not enough. Because sometimes you know when you're a girl, you work hard, but they don't pay you enough. That is true. Um, Don't give money and, uh, How you and pay taxes. Yeah. You won't have a roof up yeah. your head. <laughs> you know? That's nice. That's nice. Hello. And also, uh, got to make some money. Piggy bank off that. I was just gonna give her like an option. Okay. Like, I would say if uh, your husband like does something to you, like you can call me. Yes. Uh, funny. Or uh, any anyone else, yeah. like they, we will come to help you. Because you guys are natural protectors of your sister. Mm -hmm. That's what you're supposed to do. Because you're the youngest in the family, so and uh, so we should all protect you since you're the youngest. So I think I can like that. I know, yeah, I know, I know, like I know you can, uh, but I think I can also protect myself. Mm -hmm. See, if I learn how to drive, I can be out of there in like, like a flash. Um, but but if, if I have to stay, I would get the phone and be like, I'm going to order pizza. <laughs> whole pizza like a lady! Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call everyone to do the whole pizza yeah. picnic thing. And I'll be like, see ya. <laughs> and I'll leave. And then he go get, you know, he's going to go to jail. And, yes. and, and that's it. That's right. I like it. I'm not going to feel bad. <laughs> you should. He did it to himself. Exactly. Hey, I'm just sitting here taking it all in. A 14-year-old and 16-year-old, yeah. a 14-year-old daughter, 16-year-old son, <laughs> speaking in mind. Mama asking them questions. Uh -huh. Hey, we, table talk, dining out, family night out. We just having a good time, and we chopping up music in the background. Yeah. Well, hey, you heard it all. is very serious and the commitment what I'm saying that it demands um, a sacrifice and when I saw the spark in Mecca I knew that it would require a great sacrifice and a great commitment. And I wasn't ready for it.
I wasn't ready to put on her on that program I placed on Kafani. I wasn't ready to place that commitment on my family and on, my, and, and on myself. And I saw the spark. I saw something and it sparked me. And I wrestled with it. Day in and day out in my mind. And I I wasn't sure I wanted to go there again. But because my love for this, not only the sport, but for my child, I knew that that sacrifice would be worth it. The obstacle for me was to get her to see that it's worth it, to get her to believe in the sacrifice, to get her to want to make that same sacrifice because it demands, it demands all of you, not part of you. It demands, because 80% of it's mental. You can have all the physical ability, which I saw, which I saw. And I saw that she had a strength in her mind because to run the 800 meters require a certain mindset. That's a hard race. It's a demanding race. And that's what, you know, if it, a lot of my frustration sometimes come because I see in her what she doesn't see in herself. And my job as a father, as a coach, is to try to help her to see was in her and to believe in her before she believed in herself. And that is a challenge sometimes because everybody's a, a lock and you have to have a key to the master key to unlock the treasures in you, the gifts in you. And that's where the psychology coming in. That's why I say as a coach, and I've been a damn good one, I had to get into the mind and get into the head and get the most out of the athlete in order to in order for them to tap into their glory and their greatness, you know. So man, I just saw myself, I saw what we go through as a family, what we go through as a coach, what we go through as a father, what we go through. As an athlete, man, you know, I, I, I'm just, so yeah, it, it was, it demanded a commitment and I didn't have her on that program. You know what I'm saying? But I wanted still the same results and I got frustrated when she didn't perform like I know she could, and what's because based on what's in her, but not un, and then but I was miscalculating because I realized that I didn't put her on that program. You know what I'm saying? I gave her a part of the program because I didn't want to burn her out. I didn't want to see 
I learned from Calfani. I learned, you know, and he didn't burn out, but the things is I knew from that journey, and that was a, over a decade-long journey of sacrifice of commitment and pushing and wanting the excellence and to get the most. And so, but I saw that spark. And I wrestled with it, baby, like wrestling with a bear night and day trying to like, oh, man, I see this gift in there. You know that you above average and we not even hardly practicing. You out here with nothing in your tank and you out here competing, you know, above average with all these other athletes. But I saw it in him. And I used to say that, didn't I? On our Sunday our Sunday workout, we were for years, every Sunday we go work out as a family. <laughs> I say, baby, she got something in her. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't pull the trigger. And I said, let's just go out. Let's just go to one of the meets and let's see where she at. And she was above average, just, just like I said. Had a serious attitude like I can't be beat. You know, I think she won her heats. But based on her time, you know, she was above average. And I said, wow. When you want to reach that next level, it demands a commitment, both physically and mentally. It demands a sacrifice. You're going to miss out on birthday parties. You're going to miss out going things, doing things with your friends. You're going to miss out on, you know, other opportunities and things that you get invited to or what have you. It's just a, because your schedule is your plan, you know, too. And your schedule is just going to be, and you got to zone in on it. And you, like, every practice matter. Yes, you got to tweak it and make exceptions. You know what I'm saying? Based upon certain things, but... It's a priority. And you know what? And, and as a former athlete, other people who maybe not have been an athlete, they might not understand that sacrifice, that commitment, that, you know, that it's required in order to reach that, le that level, to be a champion, to be great, to stand out. All of these things come with a push. a vision, a goal, a plan, man, long hours, man, we would go to some of them track meets, you wake up, it's dark and you leave and you get home, it's dark and you out there all day to watch three, four races, right? Two, three, four races for your 15 seconds of fame <laughs> and you out there 10, 11, 12 hours just to Watch a few races. Man, and you do it year in and year out. Year in and year out. And you stick to the plan. Why nobody else believe in it? Nobody else around you. Nobody else. They looking at you sideways. I had somebody tell me, I had somebody tell me, I don't even know why you're doing all that because when they get a little older, they ain't going to do it anyway. But that's your dream. That ain't my dream. That ain't what I see. That ain't my what I expect. I believe they're going to stay the course. 
I believe they're going to believe in themselves one day and want to do this and write their ticket and write their future. So to see Kalfani become state champion in California, runner up, went to sophomore, got second place in the 100 meters, 200 meters. And then when he became a, a junior and a senior, he became state champion in California in the 100 and the 200, his junior, senior, back to back. And California only had one state champion. And we're the biggest state in the country. So they merged every school, whether large, whether small. Only one going to be the 100-meter state champion. Only one going to be the 200-meter state champion. Team win the state championship. So for that to happen, that took sacrifice. That took years of Sweat, money, commitment, pain, guts, glory. Man, baby, those were some fun times. And to see him get a scholarship to Cal, to see him to the University of California, Berkeley, and to be and to play football. And then get drafted by the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> you know, all of these things started at five years old. A dream, a plan. And to see that happen, you know, it, it, it's almost unreal to be, you know, get drafted in the NFL, you know, play football in the NFL. Graduate, you know, get a scholarship. You know, them scholarships, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, and get a degree from you. I mean, a University of California, Berkeley. You know, they and then go on and start his own business, and you know that that you can't. You got to be proud as a father. You know, you got to be proud as a parent. You know what I mean? But it took sacrifice. And I make sure he don't forget that this commitment took all of us. This commitment took all of us was on this journey. All of us felt the pain. All of us felt the sacrifice. All of us felt the journey. And we felt it when you won. We felt it when you lost. We feel every single bit of this because it requires unity. It requires us as a whole to be committed. When we won that first title in the state, in that four by one relay, and we won the, the four by one relay, you know, I sat in them stands and cried because I, all the years, you know, just flashed before me. Me and my brother Jamal, we just fell up. We start crying. His son on the first leg, my son on the anchor, and we won. <laughs> the four by one. And we cried, man. Right, I had a moment there, you know. It was just to see, because it was all the pain, all the sacrifice. It just flashed. It broke you down. We went on and won the state title that year. He won the 100, won the 200. We ended up winning the state, California State track and field title. He went on to college. 
And then my baby girl, I saw something. I saw something. And I said, baby, I see something in her. <laughs> I don't think she understands that. And we just started working little by little. I didn't want to put her on that same, I didn't want to put her on that Kafan Muhammad plan. <laughs> her being a girl, I said, you know, we're going to start slow. You know, I don't want to burn her out. You know, I didn't put that Nas, that extra, you know. You know, when you're right there, man, you're battling, and you got to tap into the soul, and boom, when you explode, right? I didn't put that in. I didn't put it in. I ain't put it in her yet, you know, because she was still young. I didn't want to burn her out. And you got to be strategic. You got to have tactics. My crazy butt went down to San Diego. How old was she? Probably about nine. At, no. Yeah, nine at the time. She was nine, baby. Went down there. Ain't ran but a couple of meets, right? Went down there, made the 800. She was nine years old, made the the regional junior Olympic uh, finals in the 800. Top five go to the junior Olympics to run against the best in the country. And I gave my baby a strategy. You know, kids don't listen sometimes. You know, they had their own mind. (laughs) They do it the way they want to do it no matter what. So she did, she went out there, she did her own strategy. She ain't listen to mine. Ended up seventh. We didn't make it to the Junior Olympic um, Championships that year. Got seventh. And I felt disappointed. And I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. But at the time, I just couldn't see what she done. Here, the, all these girls out there have been training all season. And here my baby girl ain't hardly trained at all. And she in the finals to qualify for the Junior Olympics Championship. And ended up seventh place. And instead of me being joyful and happy and proud and picking her up and spinning around and kissing all on her, I'm upset. <laughs> that's that competitive in me. That's like. That's the competitors in me where I allow that to consume me and miss the moment. I miss the moment that I could have had with my baby. I miss the moment that I could embrace with my baby. And let me tell you something. History is always going to repeat itself until you get it right. Until you get it right. And you got to enjoy those moments even when it comes with a loss. But it wasn't a loss. It was a win. And here, I'm walking back. I see my boy Steve. <laughs> He's in my army. What's up? What's up? I said, what's up, man? You know, man, I ain't feeling well right now. Man, my baby ain't making to the junior. He said, what? <laughs> he was like, you don't even got her on that Muhammad program. She out here running, brother, with no... Hardly no training like these other girls. Man, I've been out here all year. You should be ecstatic. And that woke me up. 
I said, God don't it, God don't it. You right. I said, brother, she ain't on that program, brother. You said yourself, you ain't you holding her back because you don't want to burn her out. So you can't expect those kind of results if you know you ain't put that kind of training up onto her to get that kind of performance. I said, you're right, brother, you're right. I was asking for the impossible. But that's just the way champions are. We ask what's unaxable. <laughs> so, yes, I was a world-class sprinter. So, hey, so, yeah, I did. I asked for what, I asked for what was impossible because of the situation. I didn't train her with, you know, like all these other girls. And we started late. I didn't, we didn't work out a whole lot. So what we done was incredible. And I should have embraced that moment. But I made it up to her, you know. I woke up and got my stuff together and went over there and embraced her and what have you. And we went out and ate and had a good time and enjoyed. <laughs> I had to get there, though, because I go hard, man. When I get, I go hard. I expect a lot, you know, and I push a lot because I believe in greatness. I believe in winning. Two more years go by, she turned 11, and I realized that this year I'm going to do things a little different. I want to train a little more, but I don't want to train excessive. But, but what I want to do is put that extra in her. Put that, what I call that extra, that Nas in her, that explosive in her. I want to put something in her that when she needs to dig deep into her soul, she'll find it there. And she won't just find lactic acid and being locked up, but she'll find that extra gear. So we start a little early. I strategically did the workout, but I know we still not training. You know, I'm a, I said, hey, you know, when you get to high school, you, they train every day. You got meets all every week. I'm still going to let you experience that. I'm not going to put that level of training on you until you get discarded. I'm going to let you experience that in high school. But I tweaked it a little. I made some adjustments. And, you know, each week, each month, we're getting better and better. Um, we got a strong team. We got a strong region in California. You know, we got a lot of dogs out here in California. You got a lot of strong athletes, you know. So then uh, we went on. We got third in our, in our region, made it to the Junior Olympics. So off to the Junior Olympics. But, you know, while we were in the room and we – you know, we ran in the in the semifinals and we, we got second in our heat. We had the going into the finals, we had the fourth best time. And, you know, she's eleven years old, but I told my baby, I said, Baby, I know two years ago when you went into your soul, and I said this, I said, Listen, I know two years ago, and I should tell you, didn't I used to tell you that too? About when Mecca tapped into her soul when she was nine. I didn't put that extra in her. And so she hit that wall. And she hit a level of pain that she was like, ooh, 
<laughs> locked up, you know, with legs, can't move and all that. Because then her mom was like, I right, mean, this girl can't beat me. And so when the girl made a move, she made a move. When the girl made a move, she made a move. And then they kept just battling, battling, and then boom, Mecca hit that wall. Mecca hit that wall, right? That lack of acid hit. She couldn't move. Ran her best time, but she didn't have that extra in the soul that you need when you want to tap in. I didn't put it there because I wanted to run training. But two years later, I said, you know, you're 11. We back to the kind of same situation. You went from being a bound. Now you are what they call a midget, 11 and 12 year old, the age division. So I said, you know, I'm going to let, I'm going to put some menu. So when you tap into that soul, it's going to be there. So we at the junior Olympics, you know, she finished. She got the fourth best time going into the finals in the 800 meters. Then, you know, we're in a hotel and I'm talking to her in the room and I'm just saying we had, you know, I said, baby, I know what you're afraid of. You're afraid of hitting that wall again. You're afraid of tapping to your soul and giving everything you have and you that pain that you feel. And you, when you hit that wall, you're afraid of that. You don't need to be afraid of that anymore. Because I strategically placed in you a hidden gem. It's in you. All you got to do, let's strategically talk about our plan. If you run the race like I'm telling you, don't do it your way. Do it my way. I know you like to go out here sometimes and do it your way. This is it. I told her the strategy. I said, now... Our weakness is that third 200 of the 800. That third 200 meters, that's when she, she, the girl, they're going to make their move. That's when you have to make your move and you have to be in striking range. So about the 600 meter mark, the last 200, that's when what I put in you, you can tap into. And But we got to be at 65 seconds the first lap. So, hey, for the first time in two years, I saw her mindset before the race. I said, I think she's going to do it. I think she believes now. And I think she's going to tap into her true gift. And so, man, they, they took off, man. They took off, man. They was running that first lap. And she hit that mark in 65-7 in the first lap. And the girl made a move. I said, she going to run in the curve, run out. I said, look, you got to go with her. That second 200, that's when you like to rest. Can't do it. Stay in the race. You got to stay close. She, down the back stretch on that third 200. She made her move with the girl. The girl made her move. She took the lead going into the curve, the, uh, the third curve. And then coming out the curve, Mecca made a move. Going down that back stretch, man. It took the lead on the girl going into the last curve, the last 200. So the girl tried to make another move to go around Mecca from lane two to get back in one. And she, Mecca didn't let her get it. She, they took off on that last curve like they was running 100 meters. Mecca took off with her, man. Mecca took off with her. They came out that curve. And the girl 
couldn't, couldn't keep up with Mecca. And Mecca kept on going. And down that home stretch, the girl about 50 meters to go, she, she just, Mecca took her soul, took her soul and ran it on in and became the junior Olympic champion in the 800 meters. <laughs> broke, broke a grown man down in the stands crying because I knew it was there. I knew it. <laughs> but I had to get her to believe it. I had to get her to I had to get her to buy into it. It was there. And when she tapped into the soul, it was there. That's when the God come out of you. That's when the God rises up. When you tap into the soul, you push the body and the mind beyond the limits. That's when the greatness come out. You can't be great unless you tap into that soul. You got to go where you haven't been before. You got to believe that you can do it. You got to know you can do it. You got to want to do it. And on that day, Mecca tapped into the soul, dropped four seconds in that finals, and ran 219 as an 11-year-old in the 800 meters and became the junior Olympic champion. That was a high point in my life, too. And boy, that was a lot of joy to see that win. But it came with a lot of sacrifice. It came with a lot of pain. My baby told me her legs were numb. I <laughs> couldn't feel nothing. Couldn't feel nothing. But she did it. She did it. I said, baby, I'm so proud. And I told her, I hugged her, picked her up. And let me tell you this is that. I said, you know, when you win like that, pain feel good. When you win like that, the pain go away a whole lot faster. When you win like that, you become champion, baby, because all of y'all were winners when you got to the finals. To get to the junior level, you're already the winner. Y'all already above average, but it only can be one champion. But everybody's a winner in the race. Everybody. But it's only going to be one champion. And that's who show up that day, that moment. Because success is only a moment of time. Enjoy it when you have it. Because it don't last forever. But when you have it, celebrate it. Enjoy every minute of it. Because it goes quick. But it takes years to get. <laughs> it takes a lot of pain to get. <laughs> And woo, a lot of hard work to get, but enjoy it when you have it and move on to the next. Because, <laughs> man, just reflecting on, you know, memories of our past, they bring a lot of joys. And I've done a lot of things in my life, and these things that I'm talking about is just some of the highlights that I can say that I appreciate, you know, my involvement and the commitment that went into it. It wasn't in vain. You know, even if we never had won, it's not in vain because everything we do still got meaning and purpose. 
because everything we learned along the way, we can still use in other ways in our lives to make it better and greater. So I look back is that, you know, whether we won it or lost, it still was a win. It still was glory. It still was a lesson. It still was something to be gained. We, and experience is the best teacher. You know, you can you can talk the talk, but you got to run the race. You know, you can be, you know, you got to be in the game to be part of the game. You can't be on the sideline. So it's just, you know, every every we learn from every single thing we do, we gain experience. We gain experience. And you got experience is the best teacher. So whatever came out of that, it's just a part of our journey and how we evolve and how we learn and how we grow. Because there is no growing pains without, I guess what I want to say, there is no pain without growing, right? You got to grow, you got to have pain. So that's why we call it the growing pains. What that means is what all the things that it took in order to grow. <laughs> right? I hope you got something out of this, boy. I know it was long-winded, but I had a lot to say. But the most important thing I hope you got out of this is that experience is the best teacher. And that growing pains is a part of life no matter what endeavor you're in and no matter what you are doing in your life. There's going to be growing pains. Peace.